Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast, the only show that dares to be both on topic and sometimes on location. Each time we meet, we bring together a group of IT luminaries to discuss a single concept or premise. In this episode, we're talking about cyber storage with Racktop Systems. Before we begin, let's meet who's on the panel today. Hello, my name is Arjan Tumamam. I'm a analyst with Tech Unplugged, and you can find me on the Twitter list at Arjan Tim. Hi, I'm Eric Bednash. I'm the CEO of Racktop Systems. Hi, I'm Dave Hughes, Director of Engineering at Racktop Systems. I am Mark Stamer, President and Chief Dragon Slayer of Dragon Slayer Consulting. You can find me on Wikibon, Tech Target. Just do a search, you'll find me. Excellent. And I'm Stephen Foskett, organizer of Tech Field Day and publisher of Gestalt IT. You can find me on social media at S Foskett. So we recently had Racktop present at our Storage Field Day and Security Field Day events. And one of the things that came out of that discussion was the fact that basically people, I think, assume that storage is somehow secure, but boy, they do not know how insecure their storage is. And since this is kind of your area, Eric, I'm going to let you kick off the conversation. Um, just how insecure is storage? Insecure and self-conscious in the same time. So, you know, it, those of us who have been in the, in the storage world a, a long time, or have been dealing with storage sort of since the, you know, back in the 90s, um, we, we kind of have an understanding of, uh, you know, what, what's used to control access. And it's really just that, it's access controls. Um, and that's pretty much where security ends from a, you know, uh, from an outsider's perspective. There's encryption uh, for data arrest and things of that nature. But in terms of accessing data, right, it, it sort of begins and ends there, uh, which is fine. And it was fine for a long time. But um, one of the problems we have today is we have the sort of onslaught of ransomware. Uh, we have um, new threats that are more advanced. And we have a lot of threats that steal credentials. We have insider and outsider threats. And so getting by those sort of access control gates is a lot easier um, than it used to be. And we've seen that uh, as evidenced by, you know, the last few years of, um, you know, ransomware damage that's occurred, um, you know, to the billions and, 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 you know, large sums of people just um, being able to access data that somebody has access to and, and maliciously encrypted. And so um, Maybe at one point access controls was uh, were sufficient, but um, you know where we sit today, um, they're not really sufficient enough to stand up to the to the modern threats. Well, let me dive in and expand something that Eric said. Yeah. Uh, people assume, as he said, that the storage is secure, and he's right about ransomware and malware has gotten very sophisticated. Uh, I've talked to some users who think, well, if my data is encrypted in my storage, it's okay. Well, you can encrypt encrypted data with a different key. It doesn't matter. Or they'll sit there and tell me, my storage is immutable. If I store something on there, it can't be changed. And I said, well, uh, is it tied to a retention rate? And they go, yeah. Can somebody change the retention rate? And they go, yeah. And I go, then they can change the retention rate from, let's say, three years to three days or three hours if they steal the credentials. If they steal the permissions, they can do that. There are ways to do it. Or they can piggyback. If you have, let's say, two-factor authentication, it's not unusual today for ransomware to sit, infect, wait, 
look over the shoulder, see that somebody logged in with two-factor authentication, and will piggyback on the login to make changes. So yeah, it's all doable, but the current current security in most storage is not set up to deal with ransomware and malware. It just isn't. No, I'd say false sense of security and, and just encryption by itself. That was one of the ones I had to fight with. And I worked in legal for many years, um, managing an IT department in a legal industry. And you know they would think that, oh, our data is encrypted. Nobody can gain access to it. But that's not the case. You know, Once you've logged in and gained access with your credentials, you now have access to that unencrypted data. It helps prevent it from walking off site as in a hard drive or physical piece of hardware. But if you've given a bad actor that your credentials to access it, unlock it, you now have access to that data. So it's kind of a false sense of security um, that you know a lot of our users would think, oh, my, my laptop's fine. Well, if they got your credentials because you put a post-it note with your username and login, no, they have access to our data. So encryption's not, good enough anymore or it does not you know really like a false sense of security this does not help with our the new state of threats that are out there especially around ransomware and insider threats and and david let me just leverage on something you just said there you're right there's a false sense of security people don't realize encryption on storage was designed for chain of custody that if a drive was removed that the data couldn't be read when you replace the drive it was it was really meant for physical removal of data not software access to the data Correct. because if the application has access in encrypted data and you have access to the soft the application itself that has access you have application with the data that brings to mind something that's probably even even uh more important than than what we discussed so far that and that's that there's so much going on in this world, especially in the security world, that we need, we talk about users, we talk about storage, but if you talk about IT, there's much more than just security storage. There's networking, there's the user, there's access rights, there's IAM. So from that perspective, I think that there's so much more going on um, in, in the security world that, um, we're still much too siloed within an IT organization uh, to say, okay, um, we tackle one problem, but we are not looking at the other one. Um, I really think that um, the silos need to be broken um, within the IT teams, but also towards the, the users um, because um, there needs to be much more insight into what's going on um, within all those silos and bring it all together within a platform that can help the customer um, in the end to solve these kind of problems. Ariane, uh, you, you raise a really good point. I've talked to a lot of cybersecurity professionals and they'll tell me that uh, they have processes and systems in place uh, on their network, on their firewalls, on their systems, um, but not necessarily on the storage or backup to storage. And they'll tell me that that's a different department and they'll make recommendations for them to implement things, what they don't necessarily do because it requires integration on their part or development on their part and they don't wanna do it. Yeah. Or it's not a high priority. They have other priorities that are higher in their list. So it, it, it is an issue with this 
uh, siloing of responsibility, especially when it comes to security. It's all about perspective and, and now really being the time when we have to change perspective. So if we sort of rewind back and you look at these two camps, uh, infrastructure, we'll say storage, um, you know, and, and you look at um, cyber, infosec, network security, all of these things, they kind of were born around the same time, right? Kind of born in, in the 90s um, and grew up very differently. And so storage being sort of what I'll call inside, um, you know, inside the firewall was always assumed to be in a safe place, right? It's in the data center, it's protected, doesn't, you know, there's no access. If you didn't have access to the internet, who can get at it? Right. So it, you sort of have this concept of it's, you know, it's sort of in a, in an inherently secure place. And then the security side of things was like, okay, we're connecting to the internet. Now there's a threat it's real. And so let's put in a firewall to like block us off from the internet and, and so on and so forth. And you have two industries that grew up, but never really evolved their way of thinking. Right. And so what you have is a security industry that's really focused on solving these doors and windows problems. Right keep people out, right? Lock the doors, lock the windows, keep the bad guy out. And you have uh, infrastructure folks or, or, you know, storage in particular, who are still have these, these uh, concepts where everything inside the firewall is secure because it's within the enterprise. And even in the cloud, there's this sense of security, but, but that's even worse as the internet, like people forget the clouds, the internet, right? So it's like, um, it, it's, it's one of these things. It's all about perspective. And so now is the time because the threats are real and they're costing real money uh, is to change that perspective. And so to, to start to think about, um, you know, as things not being inside and outside, um, but as being in a constant state of having to protect uh, your data uh, and your systems, from threats. And I think once you start thinking that way, the security folks are going to have to think more about infrastructure and the infrastructure folks are going to have to think more about security. And, you know, we'll get that, that harmony. Uh, I think we're at the very beginning of that, but the next 10 years, uh, I think we'll be having a very different conversation. We're going to have to, or else we're going to be in trouble. So. It wasn't long ago that there was actually um, an assumption that storage was inherently protected because it was not just metaphorically, but literally cabled behind the systems. It was it was inaccessible, whether it was on a, you know a direct connection uh, to a server or it was on a private uh, not, you know fiber channel network or something like that. But of course, this was decades ago now, and now modern storage. I mean, most modern storage is connected to Ethernet. Most modern storage uh, is just as accessible as a server or a network appliance or an IoT device. I mean, most modern storage is actually not hidden in the background like it used to be. But I think there's still this idea, this thought that somehow storage is so weird and so backward that you just don't have to worry about the storage systems. Am I wrong? No, you're not, Stephen. And when you think about it, um, the vast majority of storage up until let's say 20 years ago was block-based. And block-based storage, by definition, a human being isn't going to be able to read it. Uh, even 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 uh, a lot of software isn't going to read it because it's in a format from an application. And you would, if you directly access the storage, so what? You couldn't read it. Well, things have changed because people aren't going directly to the storage anyway. They're going through the applications that are connecting to the storage. They're going through interfaces and things like NFS, object storage, or or SMB interfaces for file and object storage. 
that is a different interface in which you can read it, software can read it directly. So storage itself has changed. And so accessing that storage has gotten a lot easier as you just pointed out. Yeah, and even the protocols have actually updated and changed in that time frame. but the, the mentality of you know the users they still think it's just that dumb piece of storage in the background that's doing and then organizations aren't really leveraging the the new ratified versions of these protocols like smb3 and nfs 4.2 and leverage the new security protocols in those because we're still using those antiquated devices that not have they have not modernized themselves and brought themselves up to speed on the security needs and requirements of today i mean it's over the past three years really three or four years, you know, the whole COVID piece and everybody working from home and really that you see the entire United States adopt the work from home. I was, that was really unprecedented. Right. And not everybody was really ready to, to jump into that, you know, problem. Cause you, you think about it now, everybody was inside the data center. Now we're opening it up the data center and access to information on home networks that we can't control and we can't secure. And we were not ready to do that at that point in time. So we've had a huge uptick in, of course, cybercrime, because now we have all these leaky holes that we've kind of exposed everybody else to because of the, the pandemic kind of pushed that you know, forward. Um, how do you secure your information? Because the bad guys aren't after you know, the, the network switch or the firewall or those types of things. They're after information and data. That's what gives them power or power over you if they lock it down. And now they got all these access points and users at home with unsecured networks how do you really wrangle the end users and protect users from cells? Like, how do you put a seatbelt around an end user? How do you make sure that they get into an accident that there is not going to spread or impact a lot of body or hurt themselves? So it was one of the things that when, when I first saw uh, rack top systems, I got a demo for about four years ago now. And I, within 10 minutes, I was like, oh my God, can you show me that again? How, how in the world are you showing me the access in real time user behavior how are you showing me in real time, you know, uh, the audit policy, I mean, you're, you're able to audit the system and I, I don't have to spend months on end doing these things. It was, it was crazy how, how it hit me. I was like, the entire world needs this, you know, commercial industry needs this. I, I get it that the federal government's been doing this for years, but we're in a, we're in a sticky situation now. And we now need to protect our data differently and think about things differently. So I, I had to come aboard uh, Racktop Systems when I, I saw this. I need to be part of this because no other storage system on the planet can do this specifically around protecting the you know, the data against the bad guys in real time. So I, I was amazed. So how does it work? I mean, so you, you've, you've asked the question, how do we do this? How do we do this? Yeah. So... If, let's take a let's take a, a quick example, right? So think about credentials. Think about access controls. I mean, everybody everybody can understand this, even even not related to storage. You log in, you get access control, you get access to something, right? You have a certain set of authorizations, and you could you can work. Um, we there's a lot of um, you know a big push to put in multi-factor, uh, definitely necessary, not the end all be all, not also going to solve your ransomware problem. Um, but it makes it more difficult, you know, because it adds a different, uh, uh, another step to validate and verify, right? So I can put in my credentials and now my cell phone beeps, I get a number and, you know, it is really me. I have two ways to, um, to sort of validate that. Um, but once I've validated that, I have access. So 
what if I'm not really me? What if I did get compromised? What if my credentials were stolen? What happens if I'm a malicious insider? Um, I still have access, right? And so the difference between access controls, um, again, very much a sort of a, a you know bad guy in, bad guy out type of security mechanism. Um, you have to understand what's different about um, a user in order to really understand if it's good or bad, and that's behavior. And so if you can understand the behavior of someone, you can tell whether or not they actually are doing something malicious, right? I, I know it's just like a person. I, I know you, I see you every day. I see what your mannerisms are. I see how you talk. I see you know, how you communicate. And then what if one day you come in and you know, you're totally different? I'm gonna say, is everything okay? Something seems off with you. Um, that is how we actually solve this problem. And that, that's how we, Racktop, but that's also how this problem can be solved um, using technologies because you have to really think about not who is doing what, but how they're doing it. And that, that's really the key um, in terms of trying to understand you know, and really address this issue. I think there's uh, another thing that's really important in, in, in that sense, and that's that you're not tied to a certain vendor. Because if you're a Microsoft house and you want to do that with Microsoft Defender and all the AI that they put be behind it, you can probably pull it off as well. But I think the strength that you guys have is that it's not bound to a platform. You can do it over over everything, right? Yeah, and in terms of like, a, if you think about sort of like a, an enterprise, traditional enterprise deployment, um, and when I say enterprise, I don't mean large enterprise. I mean any organization that has you know a, a, a IT infrastructure or, or in the cloud. It doesn't, you know, it's sort of hybrid cloud in the cloud, whatever. It doesn't doesn't really make a difference. Anyone who's got a sophisticated infrastructure that's beyond um, you know uh, using applications, um, sort of has some level of architecture uh, that they've deployed, uh, some level of storage that they've deployed, right? Whether it be uh, hyper-converged platforms or whether it be you know, traditional file-based platforms or traditional uh, SAM-based platforms, they have something. And the, um, because we're software, we can sort of deploy on any of those existing platforms. So it's really easy to sort of drop in and fit into these other environments without having to get 100% into an ecosystem um, you know, uh, sort of, if you think about some of the other companies who, who've created these really deep ecosystems, and I've, I'm definitely a participant in, in some of them, um, you know, you have like every one of their devices because they all talk together, but you're stuck. You can't break free, right? And so, I mean, that's fine for me as an individual, but me as a thousand, five thousand, fifty thousand person organization, I mean, that's a big problem for me to go all in with somebody. Um, and so, uh, yeah, having the flexibility to sort of be able to fit in those environments, fit in both legacy and modern uh, architectures. Um, you have to be able to solve the problem easily. You can't have to, hey, look at this great security technology. Oh, by the way, you have to change the way you do business. That's never going to work, right? It's not going to work. Um, and so it has to drop in. It has to be standards compliant. It's got to just work. It's got to fit. Um, and, um, and that's how you, you, know, you address the issue in a frictionless way. Yeah, and Eric, I want to leverage something you just said uh, earlier about the cloud. There is a pervasive belief that if you are using the cloud and using the storage in the cloud, that it is inherently secure. Uh, 
It is not. It is it is even less secure than the storage you have on premises. Yeah. And so the, the fact that you can take racktop systems and use it with cloud storage is very important. Yeah. Does he get bonus points for saying premises? <laughs> <laughs> but um but no, you're right. And so this has sort of been what I call this is like the folly of the cloud. I think that um, you know. We dove headfirst into the cloud organizations without really understanding. We looked at the agility and the agility that it gave us. And we're like, you know, wow, like a company like Netflix was born out of the cloud, could scale like crazy. And first of all, there's one Netflix and there's not everybody's a Netflix, but, you know, they're like, look at all the agility you get. And people start moving to the cloud and doing all, but not thinking about what that really means, not thinking about like, you know, the cloud is, you know, is the internet and it's exposed. And, Sure, their data centers may be more secure than your closet, but that's about where it ends, you know? And so, um, yeah, I think it's really been the folly. I think people are figuring this out. I mean, enough data has been stolen at this point. Um, but, you know, it, and, and we're kind of settling into this kind of hybrid world where people are, who are all cloud are pulling out and left. There are, there are ways to leverage both. But the key is, is you can't ever think that you're safe and you can't ever think that you're secure. Whether you're inside your infrastructure, inside your enterprise, or whether you're in the cloud, doesn't make a difference. The minute you start assuming that everything is okay, you're gonna get hit and it's gonna hurt a lot. And, and that, that's really what it comes down to. You make assumptions and then that turns into you know, significant loss. Um, and you know, we see it, just open the, open the paper, flip open your Apple news reader every day, so. Yeah, there is no silver bullet when it comes to cybersecurity. The more layers you know, of defense you put on, and that's the key, every cybersecurity pro will tell you, you have the multiple layers of security, oh, yeah. but the more layers we have, the bad guys, it's a multi-billion dollar business. They know that, so they're constantly coming up with offenses to penetrate whatever layers. So the key is to keep trying to stay ahead of what's going on. It's not a destination in cybersecurity, it's an ongoing journey trying to yeah. keep your defenses ahead of the offenses. No doubt. The funny thing is, is you know, the, the, the layers of security that I've seen referenced in a lot of different organizations, it's walls around, again, inside of walls, inside of walls, inside of walls, but nobody's really kind of addressing or really looking at you know, how the bad guys get in and they're using us against us ourselves, our behavior. Uh, right. You get you get links every day and you're on your phone probably that says, hey, you just won this or you just get here's your hundred dollar gift card. They're using human behavior to find those avenues in. So I can have 50 walls to get through, but the, my users, my one key that all I need is I need to give an access to that guy. And then that's uproot and, uh, and elevate permissions from there. Very simple to leverage our, our own behavioral uh, capabilities against us. And that's nine times out of 10 is how they get in. Or we assume oh, yeah. and, and are not vigilant enough. Just like Eric said, it was like, uh, you don't stop and ask. You're not vigilant, right? So if you don't look right, if you don't, something doesn't look right, say something. Right. But um, and again, that's just another behavioral thing that we do. We, we try to avoid or avoid that conflict or bring that up. But, but we need to actually be vigilant against those types of things. We need to ask those questions. Um, so a lot of the things we do is, is 
do you belong here? Everything you do, everything you access, every file you open, do you belong here? Does do you look strange? Does does this access pattern look you know, non you know uh, conformant to what you usually do? So we're always asking that question. We're always on and we're you know actively defending everything that happens around data and information. The one thing that you know if 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 it goes offline, are your users going to notice? Absolutely, it's a tier one application or tier one you know system. So if your data is compromised, you know, how, how much are you willing to pay to get it back? Or it, it's, it's one of those things. It's just a, it's a deep, dark hole or a blind spot inside the network, which not very many people have visibility in. And, and David, as you pointed out, human beings, people are the weakest link in the security chain. That's but right. at the same time, we have these, these conflicting desires. People want flexibility, security, wants predictability mm -hmm. and they want they they don't want that flexibility so you tend to have that clash how are you guys dealing with that with your behavioral and analytics and heuristics we don't want to give away too much of the secret sauce here <laughs> <laughs> so there is there's lots of different what we call assessors within our system that assess every types of act activity whether we're looking at whether it's a a, a a ransomware attack, a malware attack, abusive administrative privileges, or even just end users doing something out of the norm. We have a, a gauntlet you have to walk in and out of every time you access a file. And there's lots of microservices or assessors built into our platform that, that look at that behavioral activity, document it, monitor it. They put it all down and we, we, we have it as like a ledger. We know who's coming and going all day. We know exactly what that activity was. And from those, that's where our secret sauce or in our intellectual property and patents come into play um, on actually identifying those threats. Um, so like, like Eric said, that's our secret sauce, but you know, it's, we're, we're watching everything. We do, you have to come through us to access anything data-wise. There's no way around it. And that's transparent to the people doing the accessing. Absolutely, there's no agent, there's, there's nothing. It's, it's a drop-in. Um, appliance, essentially, I, I just did an install today with a customer. It took about 30 minutes and within five minutes, he actually saw, we were, we, he, as soon as he created his first file, this is an out of the box experience. It was automatically enforced of all the protections because everything we do is policy driven and policy based. We try to make sure everything's protected out of the box from snapshotting, replication, disaster recovery, and to you know, all those you know, capabilities around active defense as well and, and watching who's coming and going. Everything's enabled by default right out of the box. So it's a really, like I said, it's a drop-in appliance and it's almost a set it and forget it, but it's it's really kind of neat to watch people coming and going. You can actually see that live within our GUI interface of all the different access that's happening, what files people are touching, who's opening up, moving, copying. Oops, they did a delete. I can go recover it. And it's all right there at your fingertips within seconds. You can You have access to that. One thing I want to talk about really quickly, because you, you brought it up when you mentioned data protection, snapshots, replication, uh, is that when we're specifically talking about data security and ransomware, um, there's all this talk about like, okay, well, ba backups are the answer. And, and, and the, the reason that that buzz is out there is because nobody else really has a real answer. And I think this is where cyber storage in particular um, has a lot of value because it's, it's active protection on active production data in real time. It's addressing all five functional areas of the NIST cybersecurity framework in, the, in a primary data system. So if you are doing that as a matter of course, 
day to day on your primary data, you won't have to worry about, oh, I'm going to recover. My plan is I'm going to recover. I'm going to pick up the pieces. Um, and in reality, I mean, there's a bunch of research out there um, that, that, you can, that you can look at where it's just not an effective answer um, to solving some of the more complex security threats, data-oriented security threats that are out there by saying, I'm just going to recover because you could end up in a real compl complex situation where that recovery like spans many backups or many snapshots and you can't figure out how to get that. You know, you could be sitting there for months and, and maybe never get back to normal. Um, and so I think that as, as again, as we think about cyber storage, we think about storage being sort of a very insecure, legacy storage being very insecure. Um, we also have to think about like, how to deal with the whole life cycle and why dealing with it actively um, is really a, a, a more proper approach than just putting all of your eggs in the well, if something bad happens, or should I say when something bad happens, I'll just go ahead and you know recover. I still have a couple of those incidents from previous employment where I've, the, the pain, st I still feel it. Or I, I kind of wake up in cold sweats, but here's dissected what those type of events look like. You find out you have something bad going on inside the network. And you, your first thought is, and you can ask any customer, anybody out there, what is your thought when you discover there's something bad going on? You run to the data center, you unplug everything, you turn it all off because that's the only answer you have to stop it. You have no preventative measure right now today to go stop a, a single user doing something bad, right? We discover it, we pull the plug, we stop everything. And that, then you're sending every employees home. Now, I worked at a legal firm. Just imagine seven, 7,000 attorneys home and they can't bill. That doesn't look good. That's one. Then there's the question of, okay, well, whose data is compromised? That looks really bad, especially for a legal firm, because we're in charge of, we're, we, we have to protect our customers and our, our customers were people trying, you know, either getting sued or defending. So you, you can't let their dirty laundry out. So now you don't know because everything's turned off. I have no idea to what extent I'm hit. So that's why it takes months. Then you say, well, since we don't know where it began and started, let's, let's hope our latest backup, or, and then you're hunting and pecking through your, your backups and let's cross our fingers because you were backing up petabytes of data. Who actually has time to check you know, the, valid, the validity of the restore? Who's actually checking to make sure your restores are good? I don't know, it's kind of difficult to do that much data. Then, then it's the, there's the cost. So, sorry, there's the cost of now we got to pay probably LifeLock for all of our customers. There's a significant cost and it's, it's just a snowball effect when you think of that when it happens. And we really need to start focusing on that preventative measures versus the reactionary, which we just got backups. I mean, just the think about that. That's, that's kind of a little short story, but that, that's a very painful process to go through. Eric and David raised really good points on data protection. Data protection is a reactive, it's a passive type of protection, but the reality of it is there are attacks that it doesn't protect against, like attack loops that are dormant uh, malware, ransomware that gets backed up with everything else. And so when a detonation occurs and you go to recover, you go, oh, I, I've got a good backup, I recover, boom, detonates again. You go back further and further. How much data can you afford to lose? It's Not passive. It's yeah. not only that, it's how much data got leaked out. And now I'm, exactly. I'm all of a sudden under an extortion. So 
give me right. 30 Bitcoin or I'm going to let all this dirty data out on you. Your backups you're, didn't save you from that. No. And which, by the way, goes beyond that, David. Not only do they say, well, if you don't pay, we're going to let it out. Even when you do pay, they let, they it, still out. let it out. So they still let it's it like out. It's like the mob. Right. It's organized crime is what right. it is. It's like the mob. They're going to even if you pay, which one way or the other, they're st they still got you in their purse. A good way to look at this from an analogy point of view, look at the way tanks are. Armor was the passive protection, but it's not good enough anymore. So now you have active protection, like on That's M1s true, yeah. with the trophy. Yeah. If you don't have active protection, you're open to getting hurt. Sitting duck. So uh, I guess let's wrap up here uh, now that we've had this conversation. Um, I, I think that most of us can see that we are kind of sitting ducks with conventional storage system when it comes to security, because even though they may have data protection features, as was just pointed out, those are passive features. They're not actively looking to see who's doing what, and they're not actively stepping in to stop things from happening. And even if they are, most systems weren't designed with security in mind. And so the security is sort of a, a weird bolt on. So uh, let me just go around the table here. Uh, Mark, uh, Eric, David, Arjan, uh, what's your summary? Uh, are people as secure as they think they are? And what's the solution? They're not as secure as they think they are. Most people, it's it's a denial mechanism that all human beings have. The weakest link in all security are still human beings. Uh, data protection is important and an important aspect. You still got to have passive protection, but it is not foolproof by any way, shape, or means. Yeah, there's. I, I think right now it, it's there's a lot of convention, uh, conventional thinking, and I think we're at a point. You know, we hit these points every decade or so where you have this sort of paradigm shift, this new technology, this new way to do things, uh, and it takes a little bit of time for for it to reach the the population and for it to gain the momentum. And and I truly believe this is the next the next thing um, because uh, we're going to continue to suffer loss um, significantly. Uh, if we don't do something about it. And and so, you know, that's sort of my view. I kind of look at it as like recently, you know, I, I've, I've, since I've been younger, I've always ate poorly, not really taking care of myself and take care of my body. And I'm now to an age where it's starting to affect me. And now there's no reversal out of it, except for taking the preventative measures, which are my pills and eating correctly and doing this. You have to do the correct hygiene or the correct maintenance and make sure that that is front and center otherwise you're going to end up with those problems later on you're just inevitably going to happen to you so uh, i i'm a i'm a believer in preventative maintenance versus uh you know reactionary and i wish i'd adopted that earlier when i was younger from a perspective of of what's going on in the data center um we need to bring it all together um from a user perspective um that's already been said um, we're talking about people wanting to do their job, needing to do their job, so they have to do stuff. Um, and from a security uh, perspective, we are trying to do that in the best way possible. And that's doing it in a way where we can look into what they're doing and take the right measurements and, and make sure that they do it the correct way um, and not be reactive um, afterwards if, if something happens. So um, yeah, I totally agree with the speakers before me. Well, thank you so much for joining us for the on-premise IT roundtable discussion. Uh, where can people connect with you and continue this conversation? Uh, Mark? 
They can find me on Twitter at, at @chiefds, as in Chief Dragon Slayer, or they can connect with me at markstamerme.com, or they can connect with me through LinkedIn. Sound initiative. Eric, for more information about Racktop, you can catch us at www.racktopsystems.com, uh, on Twitter at Racktop. My personal Twitter is at Eric Bednash. Um, and you know, if you sort of Google me, you'll find a few articles I've written on this topic, um, and, uh, in the subject of cyber storage. Uh, and so, uh, I would encourage you to do that. David. So you can find a lot of the product demos that I've done on YouTube, just by searching rack top systems, you'll see lots of different articles as well as. Uh, videos we have done around these topics today, as well as product demos. Um, and then you can always reach out to racktopsystems.com and submit an email and I'll be able to respond to those. And Aryan. You can find me on uh, techandplug.io uh, or at Aryan Tim um, at most uh, uh, of the Twitters and that kind of stuff. Um, and actually, we're, uh, uh, we uh, do some uh, writing with Gigon these days, and actually we're going to do some writing on ransomware uh, in the near future, so uh, stay tuned for that as well. And as for me, I'm at S. Foskett on most social media networks, and you can find me at gestaltit.com, where I do podcasts like this one, as well as our weekly news rundown. As mentioned, Racktop presented at our storage field day and security field day events recently. And if you go to techfieldday.com and search for Racktop, you'll find those videos, or you can find them on YouTube. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast brought to you by Racktop Systems. If you enjoyed this discussion, please do rate, subscribe, and review it in your favorite podcast application, and do share it with your friends. This podcast is brought to you by gestaltit.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and more episodes, go to gestaltit.com slash podcast. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.